0: This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by TaylorTalk.org. What's up guys and welcome to episode 185 of Taylor Talk the Taylor Swift podcast. My name's Adam. I'm Diane. And I'm Steve. Steve's back.
1: Yay! Yay. And I've
0: we're in the tour. <laughs> yeah, but we're back to our regular spoiler-free programming. I, I do kind of feel bad for everybody that couldn't listen to episode 184,
2: because they. I
1: don't know how many people actually are super worried about that. Except <sighs> me. Except oh yeah, except Steve. Steve like didn't even want to talk to us um, until he saw the show. So. There were
0: definitely a handful of people that reached out and they're like, "I'm saving this episode until after I've seen the tour." So,
1: okay, that's nice.
0: Um, definitely some people, few here and there. But, Steve, you finally saw it, so keeping it spoiler-free, thumbs up or thumbs down? Uh, thumbs up.
2: Two thumbs, <laughs> thumbs up.
0: You sounded like you hesitated a little bit there, like, like you were thinking about it.
2: Well, I was trying to think if there was some other sort of, you know, normally we do the one to 13, so I didn't know if I was supposed to give it 13 thumbs up or how that worked. Uh, but I'm not oh, right right, it. right, right, right. Yeah, I 13 only have thumbs two up thumbs, works. so the best I can do is give two thumbs up.
0: You have to grow a few more thumbs Give it 13. So, quick announcement before we get started, guys. Um, Steve actually brought this to my attention, that our Taylor Talk t-shirts were a little, shall we say, dated?
1: They're a little worn, I think, you know. They're a little aged. They're very
0: red-esque. Definitely don't fit in in this 1989 era. So, that being said, new t-shirts are available, which is pretty awesome, because I know there's definitely some new listeners out there that never had the chance to get... One of the old ones, which, uh, for those who don't know, we never print any design twice. Once they sell out, they sell out. So
1: All limited edition. Exclusive. All limited
0: edition. Every shirt is limited edition. So, if you want to jump in on these ones, they will only be available for two weeks. That is two weeks. So, by the time you listen to episode 186, two weeks from now... It'll be too late. It'll be too late. You cannot get it at that point. So, there, this time around, there are hoodies, uh, men's t-shirts, and then ladies' cut v-necks... Those you can find at tailortalkorg slash store if you are interested. Get it? Got it? Good? Great.
1: Yes, and they're really good quality shirts.
0: Oh, that too. So they are know. really good. Like the men's cut are printed on American Apparel. I forgot about the hoodie and the other ones, but they're also premium cottons like the American Apparel shirts.
1: Yes, so don't worry. They're not going to be some cheap little thread-bearing No way.
0: Shirt. We don't do it like that round here.
1: We don't?
0: No, no okay, way. That's good. We get the good stuff. So again, org slash store. Get it?
1: I'm not, not doing that. We're not doing oh that. My gosh.
0: <laughs> I tried. Got it. Good. All right, I did it for you guys. Moving on with the episode, we got some news, some Taylor Swift news going on. These past two weeks, Taylor played some 1989 shows in Detroit, Louisville, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. In Detroit, Taylor was joined by special guest Dan Reynolds from Imagine Dragons to sing Radioactive. Woo woo, local Vegas boy.
2: Nice.
1: He did not perform in Vegas. That's too bad.
0: Well, I wonder
1: why Detroit, but whatever.
0: He probably was nearby. Yeah. (laughs) Alright, Taylor's friends Martha Hunt and Gigi, someone pronounced that last name for me. Hadid? 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 Gigi Hadid?
1: I don't know. I'm not really familiar with them. (laughs) Except I know they're models and they were in the Bad Blood music video.
0: Yes, well, they also walked the runway during Style, and that was also in Detroit? Yes. Yes. What? And then in Pittsburgh, I'm sure Steve will be able to speak to this since he was there, Steve got to see Little Big Town, who surprised the crowd singing Pontoon with Taylor.
2: Yes, and I got a video, and we'll link it in the episode. Right, Diane? Can we do that
1: without it being taken down? No one's mm. going to throw a fit?
2: I think with the oh. special guest,
0: maybe?
1: I don't know. As um... It seems like a lot of these videos get taken down, but we will put a link there, and if it's there, you can watch it. <laughs> yeah. At the
0: time of this episode, yeah. there will be a video of Taylor singing Pontoon with Little Big Town at taylortalk.org slash episode 185. Also at that link, you're going to see a different video, because Taylor had, uh, well, they called it a swift encounter with...
1: Yeah, because teen... they think they're funny.
0: It's clever. Swift yeah. encounter. A swift encounter with Teen Vogue, and Taylor Swift was promoting her new line of kids And they asked her some random and funny questions, so we're going to put that video up for you in case you haven't had a chance to see it, also at taylortalk.org slash episode 185. So that just about does it for the news this week. Moving on to our big discussion in the episode, we got another song analysis for you, because, like I said, we're keeping it spoiler-free, just like the old days. If you want to be spoiled, go back to 184. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you don't yeah. want to be spoiled you're in the right place so we're gonna be talking about i wish you would a track off 1989 that taylor wrote with jack Antonoff, who also produced the track and played a bunch of instruments on the track jack Antonoff is just like the mvp of this song
1: he really is like this song has a lot of heavy drum beats um and i believe jack plays the drums
0: not only that though diane i was looking at the notes here in the book i actually Uh just grabbed it because i forgot everything he contributed he also played guitar he provided backup vocals oh he played both acoustic and electric guitar he also Mm -hmm. played the bass
1: he's a one-man band
0: he also played the drums he also provided backup vocals someone else was on keyboard though greg kirsten i don't know who that is but
1: good for greg let's hear it for greg
0: so I I just think it's interesting to note because musically this song pretty much is Jack Antonoff because if you go to that uh, deluxe edition of 1989 it's got the voice memos on there Mm -hmm. and Taylor even says Jack Antonoff presented um, a track to her an audio track with some guitars and things of that sort and she like instantly in her head could hear the song in its full entirety
1: yeah and the thing that's really fascinating to me is that some I I guess people that make music could make a song without necessarily necessarily lyrics to it yet because when Jack made the song like he just had the track he didn't mm-hmm. have a song in mind or anything and then you know they were able to come together and create it into the song on 1989 so that's just really well,
2: neat and that's one thing I've asked songwriters before because that was always my question is okay do you, do you get the lyrics and then you try to put music to it mm-hmm. or do you get some sort of rhythm in your head and really it's a mixture you know sometimes for some people they always get the the beat and the rhythm or something like that and then have to work in the lyrics later sometimes they get it both at the same time yeah um you know that's why a lot of these people have you know just writers sessions where they'll just sit down together and you know it's like oh well I came up with a good beat Can you put some good words to it? So, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes that's why you have a lot of co-writes on these songs, because it takes a lot of people to put all those pieces together. And Taylor was able to provide lyrics to Jack's, you know, 80-esque sound.
0: 80s-esque, which is really fitting with the 1989 album, because she was going for a 1980s inspiration. And she did mention in the, you know, that video that now no longer exists, but we still have the audio from it somehow. The yeah, video which, of Taylor. It's too she bad. she went through each individual track and just talked briefly what it was about. Mm-hmm. That is more or less what she said about this song is she went for that eighties thing. It had she wanted it John Hughes esque. Yes. John Hughes being the director of
1: a bunch of eighties movies. A, a bunch of
0: eighties movies that were very, very popular and that Taylor, I guess, has mentioned at some point or another that she grew up watching. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where she was going with that—is sort of that '80s. Feels like it's out of one of his movies. So, I mean, do you guys feel that, Steve? You do you, you that, <laughs>
1: Steve? I was
0: I was trying to not say it.
1: You're trying to pass the baton to Steve.
0: I was uh, trying to pass the baton without mentioning Steve. You you remember the
2: '80s? <laughs> I do remember the 80s. (laughs) I Um, just—I
1: haven't seen any of these movies, so yeah, go ahead, Steve. Well, well, and
2: I I think that's kind of an important thing is um, to note which movies she's referring to also. Uh Um, So if you guys, I I guess, what what are Swifties watching? If you want to catch up (laughs) on some video watching, um, the, the videos would be 16 Candles, The Breakfast Club, and Say Anything.
1: I have seen Say
2: Anything.
0: I've seen The Breakfast Club, and I know that that was probably among the inspirations because that whole thing at the Billboard Music Awards last month, when she met Molly Ringwald, who was one of the actresses there, and had her little fangirl moment because she loved Molly Ringwald and all those movies. And Sixteen
1: and Candles, yeah,
0: things of that
2: sort. So the, the, let, the Brat Pack era. Sorry. The Brat Pack era. Brat Pack. Yeah, that's it's the it's all the uh, children stars of that era, like. A lot of the movies, especially the John Hughes movies, they were all, it was the same people that were in those movies oh, okay. most of the time, obviously playing different characters and everything like that, but it was ki- kind of neat that it was a lot of the same people that were having success there. So,
0: A lot of comedians do that, I've noticed. Like, Adam Sandler has the same cast members in all of his movies.
2: Well, that's true. Yeah, kind of along the lines of that.
0: Yeah. So let's jump into the actual lyrics. Let's get into the nitty gritty and start to rip this song apart and interpret it. Starting with the first verse, you've got it's 2 a.m. in your car, windows down. You pass my street, the memories start. You say it's in the past, you drive straight ahead. You're thinking that I hate you now because you still don't know what I never said. Yeah, I did that. (laughs) What's up? (laughs) So (laughs) opening up with it's 2 a.m., I do want to place particular emphasis on this before we jump into the rest of it because it was actually brought up by one of our listeners, Sebastian, who asked if we could have a discussion on the recurring theme of 2AM. And he did actually get support from other listeners as well on that. So what do you guys think 2AM represents? Because she uses it a lot and I think there's a lot to it. But I want to see what you guys think first before I throw in my two cents.
1: I think the thing that's interesting about 2AM is it's a time that nobody is awake for, usually, unless they have something on their mind, you know, and, um, in, unless, there's a, unless there's a reason that they can't sleep. So I think that just sort of like sets the mood for these songs, you know, when there's something that the character can't get, um, you know, they just can't get past
2: i think you're right on that diane um really i think a big part of that is understanding what taylor was going for when she was writing this song and basing it on those john hughes movies because a lot of it is just your cliche movie thing here's what it is you know it's like boy and girl they meet Mm -hmm. and then they you know sparks fly they hit it off things are good And then, about the middle of the movie, there's always some big miscommunication, something like that, and then the two of them, like, go their separate ways, and um, the part of that is that they wish that they were able to tell the other person something that would kind of get past that miscommunication, but, you know, they're, they're separated, they're pining over the issues and everything else like that, it just, it's kind of sad, but then usually at the end of the movie, they do get back together, but... Normally, when you're having some sort of heartache like that, 2 a.m. is the perfect time for that to be occurring. You know, <laughs> you should be sleeping, but you can't sleep because, you know, all you're thinking about is the other person and what you could have said to them that maybe if I would have said this, then, you know, they'd be still in my arms right now. That kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think you guys are both dead on,
0: honestly, because 2 a.m. is representative of that time when your mind is racing about something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If like, you're awake.
0: You're not naturally awake at 2 a.m. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't be anyway. Um, so I, I think you guys are definitely on to something with that. It, it's also it, – I think it also sort of creates a visual in your mind too because it, that sort of 2 a.m. – I mean I'm sure you guys have been up at 2 a.m., up and out at some point in your lives. I've been and, recording Taylor talk at
2: 2 a.m. before.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Up and out. Not up and end. Okay. Okay. Um, and it also sort of sets the scene for you in your head of what it looks like. Like we all, if I say two a.m., you get a picture in your head of just sort of the lighting, the quietness of the street because it's no not a it's there. not a regular nighttime. Yeah, nighttime like eight or nine p.m. is very different. You have cars going, you have, but it's a very quiet nighttime, a very quiet and empty nighttime.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I think that's worth paying attention to as we get into the next lines where you have him. Uh, in his car windows down you pass my street the memories start because the way I see those is again painting that literal picture you have him in a car driving past right but then that drive is also sort of a metaphor for the journey you know it's, it's driving past something it's getting over something it's moving beyond the relationship it's representative of the journey so it's both literal and metaphorical does that make sense I don't
1: mm-hmm. know if he's necessarily moving past the relationship. It seems like he's almost moving through it because when he passes her street, he starts to think of, you know, their life that they had together.
0: Move through, move past. You're getting technical now. Uh, it's still it. the whole point I'm getting at is that the drive, the drive is a visual representation of the journey.
1: OK, yeah, you could do that.
2: I think the big line to, to get into all that is, um, you know, to to see that these two people, you know, they're, they're having a moment where if they only would have been able to work things out, things would have been good right at that second. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're kind of you're getting to that point that they're working through it. Steve, you keep saying great things that I want to say for when we
0: get to a different point in the song. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Not that it's up to me. The conversation flows the way it flows. But there's you're definitely getting at something when we get into the second verse. When you're Mm -hmm. saying, like, they'd be at a good spot in that point in time. Otherwise, both the second and verse. Keep those in mind. I'm only thinking ahead here because, I mean, we've all gone through the lyrics on our own. And now we're going through them together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it just reminds me of something that I thought of as well. And I think you're dead on with. Um, So what's the next part of that verse then? You say it's in the past. So she's sort of stating his inner monologue. I thought that was interesting what he's right. thinking.
1: Well, maybe it's also like you say it's in the past in the sense that maybe these are words that he has said to her before. And she's thinking back like, Oh, I guess this is this, this is what he's, what he believes. Like, see, I don't know though, the relationship you, is in the past.
0: The reason I don't know about that is if you tie it to the next line, you drive straight ahead. I, I, the way I see it is, literally, he's in his car and telling himself it's it's in the past. That's what keeps him driving instead yeah. of stopping. That's true. Instead is his inner monologue there anything, telling him yeah. it, it it's in the past? There's no point in stopping. Well, he's it's in the his past
1: car now. at two a.m. I think he drove by her street on purpose. I don't think he was out doing something else. Well, right,
2: you know, but you, sorry, go ahead, Steve. But but it's not like he's even looking out at her house or anything. Like there's no lines that are saying that. Yeah, that's true. He's just driving past, you know, kind of tunnel vision. Mm -hmm. This is the way I'm going and and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the weird
0: thing that I'm thinking of is, and you can take this with a grain of salt because it's very hard to trust things that appear online. Um, But I guess supposedly Taylor told a fan at some point that this was sort of a story having to do with Harry Styles where I always thought of this one as being one of her fictional stories. Hmm. um and i mean is there any credibility to this because it's just something that appeared on social media about like harry styles getting a house like a block over from her and he kept going down her street it wasn't that a
1: rumor though that that's
0: what i mean take it with a grain of salt like because i i don't know i
1: these are things we can never know for sure
0: i don't know how much credibility i place in that story If any at all.
1: I mean, I think the scenario of two people in love having a problem is typical. I mean, it could be inspired by Harry because they're not together anymore. So obviously there's a problem. Um, But I don't think it's like this is a play by play of what happened with Harry Styles.
0: No, I don't think it is. But whoever the character is in the story, it is kind of a play by play with them because they've got them in the in the car right um passing her street memory start thinking about it and then moving past it so it actually there's actually like three parts to that really so that part's interesting does kind of have the elements of a story all within one verse there
1: right but i mean it doesn't mean that this is what harry styles did that's right that's That's
0: why i said my impression in my opinion is that this is one of the more fictional
2: leaning stories
1: yeah i agree
2: and I, I think it would be because I think it's based off of those 80s sort of movies. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. I think it's got a similar feel to that because that happens in movies, not in real life, where the ex-boyfriend drives past the ex-girlfriend's house in the middle of the night. I've never heard of that happening in real life.
1: I have, actually. <laughs> it
0: probably has
2: <laughs> happened in real life, but I'm saying in general, creepy. It is creepy. It, it's more of the cliche movie version that we're getting here.
0: Right. Then the last line of that verse is probably my favorite. You're thinking that I hate you now cuz you still don't know what I never said?
2: It's a great line.
0: I really really like that line because I've been doing a lot of thinking lately about the masks people wear.
1: Ooh, this is getting Ooh. deep guys, get ready. It's getting No, don't <laughs>
0: don't don't set up a false expectation here. But I have been doing thinking about that how everybody is really just sort of a multi faced person. I don't want to say two faced because two faced has a negative connotation. It means you're either black or white. Yeah. Um, you know, there's only two possibilities, but everybody's mul- multi faced in that the way like the three of us behave and interact with each other is different than we might with other people. And it's different than the way we might behave or act when we're on our own and nobody else is around. Yeah. And so what that ends up leading us to do is making assumptions about other people. So based on what I know of Diane and Steve, I make assumptions of what you guys do in your other lives. To sort of, I don't, I don't know how else to word that. But in your other lives, like we're really, I don't actually know what Steve does when he's at home. Mm-hmm. Or, I have no or, idea. Or anything? Yeah. I have You've no never idea, but. That it's impossible for me to avoid assumptions. Like, based on what I know of Steve, he probably, I mean, he's a techie guy. He probably spends a lot of time sitting at his desk on his computer working on things. Like, that would be my assumption. Right. But I don't know it. And and so, likewise, that's why I think this line is so cool. You're thinking that I hate you now because he's making an assumption about her. It's an assumption based on what he knows of her. And and she says, because you still don't know what I never said. and. Nobody ever knows what another person has inside their own head.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Ever. Doesn't matter how close you are. Husband and wives don't know what's going on in the other one's head. Mm -hmm. You can be super close.
2: Were you about to say something? Yeah, this is the part of the movie where there's something that was said or not said, and the two people have a a misunderstanding and are now separated from each other all because of, of that. And that's what it is, is it's something that the one person, if if only I would have said this, you know, everything would be clear and everything would be perfect and we'd still be together.
0: It's a giant misconception.
2: Yep. And it's where,
0: it's where a lot of the conflict in those movies typically come from. Actually, what comes to mind is in the movie Hitch. Have you ever seen that one with Will Smith?
1: I've seen it, but I don't really remember it.
0: Oh, it just reminds me of just these movies in general because there's a situation where they fall in love and they're dating, but then they have a fight and they think uh-huh. they hate that the other one hates each other. and
1: Yeah. I mean, um, and then
0: they get back together when they clear up the misconception.
1: It's a very typical romantic comedy plot. Right. Mm-hmm.
0: But at the same time, the reason I like that line so much is because like the people I was talking about, it's also multi-faced. It gives us the sense of that movie, and yet it also gives us sort of, it connects it to real life for Mm -hmm. me, because that's what people are actually like, and that's how people behave. So I I just think that's cool. I don't know if you guys have anything else on that line. I feel like I sort of dominated that line.
2: Definitely
1: dominated it. (laughs) Didn't give you guys a chance to speak.
2: No, you you did good with it, though, but I I think one of the things to, to note is if you're ever in those situations... Don't be afraid to speak now, if you will, because Steve's on it today. He had sparks fly and speak now.
1: (laughs) Well, you have to, because if you don't say what you mean, you know, things happen like you.
0: Hold on to that. Hold that thought. Hold that thought, because let's jump into the chorus. (laughs) Okay. I wish you would come back. Wish I never hung up the phone like I did. There it is. There's the regret. Yeah, there's the regret. She did not speak now. Mm hmm which I think is what Steve was uh Moral of
1: the story, speaking out. At.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's a feeling of regret, and it, I think it ties to that last line, because it's, you know, she in the last line was saying, you still don't know what I never said. And here she is wishing she had the opportunity to say it, because she regrets not having said it, because that's what led, well, what potentially led to the relationship downfall.
1: This is the thing that I never understand, Like, if she really wishes that she could tell him something, why doesn't she just do it?
0: There could be a million reasons. When you're in high school and you have a crush on a boy, why don't you go up to him and say, I have a crush on you?
1: Because I didn't actually know them. (laughs) That's too much Um, information.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yeah. I'm not really sure how to to (laughs) respond right now. Um just move on. <laughs> Let let's pretend you had a crush on a boy you did know. Like okay. okay, let's let's say you're in one of those one of those young adult novels where you have a crush on your best friend and they don't know it.
1: Mm. Why don't
0: you say it? If it's your best friend and you're well, that, super comfortable with that's them.
1: That's true. So then there right. is a piece here that they're uncomfortable with each other. Because they don't feel like they can clearly. I don't think what they so. No? because
0: there's always there's always reason to conceal something. If you it's if you're not comfortable, it's. Part
2: I mean, of your brain does that. I guess
1: it just depends on your personality. Because if I'm comfortable with someone, I'll tell them anything they want to know.
2: Yeah, but in certain instances, you you don't think of the you situation know, I, here, though.
0: They are recently broken up so it's awkward so it's and that's why there's the feeling of regret she's saying I wish you would come back wish I never hung up the phone like I did because hanging up the phone finalized it hanging up the phone is signif- signifies the, the moment where she can't say it anymore mm,
1: Okay.
0: Mm-hmm. because then it would become awkward like calling back oh wait something I forgot to tell you was I actually still love you and you know even though we had a toxic relationship I still kind of love you <laughs> <laughs> like you can't do it and so that's true, that's getting true. to the depth of that second line there I wish I never hung up the phone like I said it's it, it's the moment that it finalizes something yeah. it's where it mm-hmm. comes from something she had the opportunity to say and no longer can
1: so the opportunity the moment is passed it's not like it just happened and she wished she could call him back Yeah, maybe like mm-hmm. weeks later a month later. Got Hanging it. up is it.
0: representative
2: of the end of the conversation to me Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, now is
2: that like a Hanging up normal, or is that like slamming down the I phone think like it in the middle of the like, conversation?
1: Like, like, oh, screw you, and then hung up the phone, kind of thing.
0: Um, I don't know about that. I don't know if it's like an angry hang up, well, or if it's just a final she says, hang up. I
1: wish I never hung up the phone like I did. Like she did. What? Like it seems like there was a, like a certain way she hung up the phone.
0: I mean, like I did could also be the timing. The yeah, time yeah, she hung true, up because true. she's like, wish I'd ever hung up the phone like I did. Last just September. saying I hung
2: up the phone at yeah. a moment
0: where it was not the opportune moment.
2: Mm-hmm. Like where I should have said what I wanted to say instead of hanging up. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, that, and that's that can be a reflex there of sorts where you go and, you know, you want to say something, but you're just like, oh, you know, what, just hang up. Yeah. So it, it's hard to say. It could be either way on that.
0: Mm-hmm. And then jumping into the next lines. I wish you knew that. I'll never forget you as long as I live. I feel like that's the part where she sort of wishes she could. Well, she she finally tells us. She tells us what she wishes she could have said. Mm-hmm. Uh, that she it's it's a positive sentiment that there's always going to be good memories there. Yeah, she'll never forget him as long as she lives. It, it's sort of one of those memories that sort of sticks to you. It's she wishes she never hung up the phone so she could say that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I I, the other part of that line that kind of it, it makes me think of like real life Situations and such and You know unfortunately You know people pass away and such and you always Think in your back of your mind you're like I just wish I would have been able to tell them this And tell them that and that kind of stuff And that kind of makes me think to that also Kind of totally out of the relationship Sort of thing but just you know Communicating with people in general
1: Yeah
2: right
0: Then it goes into And I wish you were right here right now. It's all good. I wish you would. That sort of repeats it. She's like, I wish you were here so I could tell you it's all good. We're good. Like, it's okay. We're all right. Because until this point, she's got that you're thinking that I hate you now mentality. So he's thinking that she hates him. She's like, no, I don't. She's like, it's fine, actually. (laughs) It's bugging me. It's driving me crazy. I wish you were here. I would just want to tell you that. Now, Do you guys interpret that as she wants to get back together, or she just wants to be friends?
1: I think the purposes of... Not even
0: friends, but even just cordial.
1: I think the purposes of this being a John Hughes-esque song, it means that she wants to get back together.
0: Okay. Right.
1: Because that would fit with the plot of like a typical teenage romance movie.
0: Right. I mean, it could, but... I don't know. I've I've seen movies where people, they don't necessarily get back together in a relationship, but they sort of have a meeting of sorts and determine, hey, we're cool, we're cool. But they both go on and live separate but happy lives still.
1: What sort of anticlimactic movies are you watching?
0: The good kind, the realistic kind. (laughs) (laughs) So that's chorus number one. Now, verse two. Um, Steve, you were saying something earlier and I was like, let's bring it back around. And now I forgot what it was.
2: Excellent. What was it? <laughs> that was me
0: prompting you to be like, what was
2: it? Well, I don't know. We're just talking about, uh, you know, having that sort of thing where they have the miscommunication and mm-hmm. they wish they would have said what they wanted to say to each other kind of stuff. I thought.
0: No, I mean, back from verse one.
2: Oh, well,
1: know. but, um, I think I sort of remember what Steve was sort of hinting at. Is verse one is told from? It's not really told from the guy's perspective. It's like told from the girl's perspective of what the guy's perspective could be, if that makes sense. Um, where in verse two, it's just the girl in her room, right?
0: Well, verse yeah, well yeah, that's kind of where I was going with it. Is verse two now you're back to the two a.m. thing, which we already sort of determined what that means in verse one. But the perspective changes, and now it's showing what's happening in the girl's life. And you'll see that in those movies also. Like, they cut to a different scene where it's showing what someone else is doing, but it's the same time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even though it's later in the movie, it's supposed to be the same time, like the two events are occurring at the same time. So now you have headlights pass—or, Um. Or sorry, it's 2 a.m. in my room, headlights pass the window pane, I think of you. This is really interesting to me, and where I think it's really— like, Taylor really shines, and it's really showing what a master lyricist she actually is and what a master storyteller she is. Because taking it beyond the surface of two things happening concurrently, it's also interesting that their minds are interconnected now. Yeah. They're both thinking about each other at the exact same time at 2 a.m., at that time when neither of them can sleep because their minds are racing, and they're up, and they're thinking about each other. Yeah, I think that's really cool. hmm you guys don't care. No, it's no, really I cool. Gonna, gonna I I agree, cry.
1: Adam. I agree.
0: <laughs> you agree now. <laughs> yes. All right, so next line puts me at a loss, though. We're a crooked love. In what does that mean? In a straight line down. In a straight line down,
2: yeah.
1: <sighs> it's really interesting. <sighs> and then Taylor she explained
2: says, what it was, too, and that's the only thing that's bothering me. There she was, explained? She explained what a crooked love was a while back. I I'm, think
1: it just... <sighs> It means something like they they can just never get it right, like it's it's interesting how she pairs it with the next line, um, in a when she says in a straight line down because crooked is obviously not straight so she uses an opposite so it's almost like saying that they're trying to fit their crooked love in this space that's supposed to be straight. But it can't fit. So it's almost like they're trying to make their love work, but something about it isn't functional.
0: So it's trying to fit the square peg in the round yeah. hole. Yeah.
1: Does that make sense?
0: It does, actually. Yeah, I'd have to say that sounds good.
1: I, but I think it's definitely the most interesting line in this song.
0: I think it is also. I've never heard
1: anything phrased like that before.
0: No, because usually the typical thing is square peg in a round hole um, which you know is referring to those little shape toys that kids yeah. play with where they gotta learn shapes and things so it, it's pretty much saying like what is it saying that <laughs> that it's, it's a dysfunctional relationship that's not meant to work even though it's got it's good qualities which I mean that in itself it, is a recurring theme throughout Taylor's music
1: it is and something that's um, interesting about the way she phrases this too is she says it is in a It is in a straight line down. So they're going down like it's they they their relationship will fail because it's headed downward. You know, it's not going up. It's not getting better. It's a straight line down.
0: Yeah. And I think it's also worth noting straight line down would be a fast decline. Yeah. Because Mm -hmm. it's not spiraling downward. It is going straight down. Boom. Right. (laughs) Don't say boom.
1: Why? Can't say it boom on a
0: podcast. Me. You can't say boom on a podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that's a really intriguing line, and Taylor always has had a knack for saying things in a very unique way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like ways that none of us could ever think of because we're
2: and, not her. And that's how the the movies usually go, where you'll have it that the the reason that it's a straight line down is because that one single big miscommunication just has killed the entire relationship at that point right you know it's it's sometimes you'll have a relationship where people grow apart and you can see it steadily declining this is one that you know the two people are very different so they're not always on the same page but you know they're perfect for each other and that's the important part of understanding that is this one big event has totally derailed two people that were perfectly in love.
0: So Steve, are you saying then it's, do you think it's sort of a realistic or you're cause you said it came from the movie or you're thinking it comes from that type of movie, the John Hughes esque Uh type movies. Where it's like one particular miscommunication completely tanks an otherwise happy relationship, which mm-hmm. I don't think is necessarily a realistic situation because real relationships you can get in fights and.
1: Well, it depends on what happened to tank a relationship.
0: Yeah, like I'm, there I'm not are saying some there definite a... dealbreakers. But in that this, have. but 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 this isn't something wrong. This is a misconception. We've pretty much determined it to be a misconception anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: but I mean it. It also kinda depends on the age, like if these characters are in high school, something small could be something big. Yeah, it can be Mm -hmm. something big, depending on how old you are. Right and how mature you are. That's what
2: I think that kind of the point of it is.
0: Okay. So in a nutshell where crooked love means they're in sort of a weird type of relationship, but happy nonetheless, straight line down means it tanks. Is that kind of what we determined?
1: Yeah, I would say more or less.
0: All right, so then on to the next lines. Makes you want to run and hide. Then it makes you turn right back around. That is that is very high school esque. If you want to go with those references, and you're you're thinking it's a, like a young love type relationship because. How many young people, and I guess I shouldn't have said high school S because it can be young people up into their 20s for that matter. Or 40s, like
1: some people never grow up.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But how many people go straight towards exactly what is worst for them? Oh, yeah. So it's like, oh, this is terrible. I'm taking off. Run and hide. Then it makes you turn right back around because you're like.
1: Wait, I like the adventure, the sort of, I don't know, danger. Some people like that.
0: Think of a John Green book with all the nerdy boys and the girls that corrupt him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Specifically Paper Towns. Not yeah, not Alaska the our Stars. Alaska. that's different. Um no, 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 that one's a little bit different, but <laughs> the ones where there's some sort of geeky guy and then there's a girl who's mischievous and brings mm-hmm. him along on her adventures. Yeah. It it's uh, people people tend to be attracted to the bad boy or bad girl sometimes and mm-hmm. that's kind of how i see those lines I, working i see this a little differently
1: go ahead steve
2: so i see the first one where where it's the uh makes you want to run and hide when you have any sort of situation the first thing you want to do is you, you want to retreat you want to get out of that situation may it be a you know some sort of bad experience there in a relationship or just life in general, if something bad happens, the first thing you want to do is you want to be far away from it. To me, it's kind of, you know, that's that moment that some young kids have where they have that feeling they want to run away from home or something like that. You know, you want to to get away from your problems first. And the second part of that is, you know, where you want to turn around and come back. And I think that's where... Once you think a little bit more about it, you're like, okay, maybe maybe that's the wrong you know, knee-jerk reaction to just run from this problem. Maybe I need to go and take care of it because maybe things aren't as bad as you think they are. Maybe you think that you can resolve it. That's what I think this means.
0: Or maybe it's the running and hiding because she says then it makes you turn right. Maybe the it is referring to running and hiding that makes you turn right back around. Like when you run and hide – all of a sudden, you
2: realize the absence of that person, and that could be
1: yeah, yeah, that's possible too it's, it's
2: either it's either you're more level headed at that point or you know that absence makes you want to go back
0: well, because bringing that whole verse together, or not the entire verse, but at least the second half of it, starting with crooked the crooked love part, you've got this sort of dysfunctional relationship, then you run and hide. Because it's you recognize the dysfunction, and then when you run and hide, you realize the absence of the other person, and that makes you turn right back around.
2: Hmm. Possibly, maybe quite possibly.
0: Now, moving on to the next chorus, I think something really cool and really unique to note about this is it doesn't repeat choruses exactly.
1: Oh, I just thought of something.
0: It just sort of changes it. So it, it they're almost progressive in nature because in the first chorus you have the female character who regrets something she didn't get to say and wishes that he were here. And Diane's trying to steal my notes right now.
1: No, what? She, I've, I've, she's spying
0: on my notes. I just
1: came up with another idea. Um,
0: but so the first chorus, you have the regret. I wish I could tell you something. I wish you were here so I could tell you. Then all of a sudden, the second chorus tells you what she wishes. Um, That that um, she could clear up the type of thing. So she says, I wish we could go back and remember what we were fighting for. And I wish you knew that. I miss you too much to be mad anymore. And I wish you were right here right now. It's all good. I wish you would. So obviously the end of it, the same. It's all good. I wish you would. Mm
2: -hmm. But the
0: beginning of it is where she's like, I wish we could go back and remember what we were fighting for. And I wish you knew that. I miss you too much to be mad anymore. So that to me is what she wants to tell the character.
1: Yeah. Um so I just thought of something that sort of like changes perspectives a little bit in this song. You know how the first verse is sort of told from the male perspective and then the second verse is told from the female perspective? Okay. What if the choruses are like that too? So what if the first chorus is told from the male perspective And the second chorus is told from her perspective, which would add some light. uh, Because at the beginning of verse one, they say, you're thinking that I hate you now because you still don't know what I never said. And then in the second chorus, she says, I miss you too much to be mad anymore. So it's almost Mm -hmm. like she doesn't hate him anymore. So I think you could definitely read this as both choruses are... Are told from the girl's perspective but you can also read it as the first chorus is the male and the second chorus is the female.
0: I really like that. I like that a lot. Thank so you. first chorus male, second chorus female. Yeah. Right. Okay, let's let's go with that. Let's work with that and so see what we come up
1: with. So it's almost like the verses set the scene for where these characters are thinking. Like the male character is in his car and the and the girl character is in her room, and the chorus is where they get to talk, is where they get to say what they wish. So
0: are mm-hmm. you saying verse one, she's speaking on behalf of the guy saying, you're thinking this, yeah. you drive yeah. straight ahead, yeah. but then uh,
2: the chorus is him speaking? It could be
1: him speaking for himself and saying what he wishes.
2: Which is why the choruses can be different. I actually yeah. like that a lot, because I one of the things Taylor is kind of tied in with this whole uh, movie theme of sorts is... After the two people have their miscommunication and they're apart, they're both wishing that they said to the other person, come back, I miss you. Right. Yeah. So they're both and that's what's great about it is how the choruses end are the exact same thing. So these two characters are totally, you know, they're meant for each other. So they're actually on the same plane thinking about this. It's just there's that thing in the way that's keeping them apart. And it's a Mm -hmm. shame Diane wins the Scholar Award for this episode.
1: <laughs> Thank you.
0: Because totally. I'm just, as you guys are speaking, I'm reading over the lyrics and things like that, and that's a really, really cool concept, the idea of it. Because like Steve pointed out, were the last two lines there, or is it last three? Oh, yeah, the last, last like, three, three have the same Where it says, and meaning. I wish you were right here right now. It's all good. I wish you would. It, it is because it starts different, ends the same. And it's sort of, now that I'm rereading through them, I can picture in my head... How it would play out as a visual element, like mm-hmm. a movie mm-hmm. in a film, and how that would play out. And it's like, you know, again, going back to that concept where it shows two things, two different scenes that are ha- supposedly happening concurrently, but you have to, because of how a movie works, you can't view them both at the same time. It might make be a little bit awkward if you watch. Unless you did a split It'd screen. Be like, split, like split screen. Yeah. They um, did although that some movies in, do that.
1: Uh, What's that movie that's. Uh... Oh, my God. I'm drawing a blank. I love this movie. Um, 500 Days of Summer. There you go. I've never they, seen that one. I've been trying to get you to watch that for years, but they <sighs> did have a split screen moment in that movie. It was kind of hmm.
0: neat. However, my only concern with that theory, Diane. Yes. Going all the way back to verse one, my favorite line in the song. Um you're thinking that I hate you now because you still don't know what I never said,
1: which would be a perfect transition into what she right, yeah, I know
0: the next part says, "Wish I never hung up the phone like I did um so that i I don't see how those two lines make your theory plausible because
1: well if she's
0: the one. Saying that you still don't know what I never said. He's the one that hung up the phone. So that part makes sense, but then it's saying, Wish I never hung up the phone like I did. Why is he wishing he never hung up the phone when she's the one with something unspoken?
1: Um, okay. It is slightly confusing for my theory with the I repeating because it would make more sense that the male character is always referred to you and the girl characters always refer to I that would just be easier to understand Um, but so you're saying you're confused because why would the Female character regrets something she the never said. If the female character
0: absolutely regrets something she never said because she has that line. Because you still don't know what I right. never said, right? Okay. But the, the male character
2: hung up on her before she got to say before what she, she wanted got to, to say. Yeah. Before but she the got line the is "Wish
0: I never hung up." Why would he wish he never hung up? He was because the one ending who wants the to hang up on somebody? somebody.
1: Yeah. Maybe he just wishes he didn't. He didn't do that. Right. They don't necessarily have to be related ideas. They can be, but they don't have to be.
0: I guess. I mean, it's a it's a theory, and I really do like it. I really, really do. I'm just at the same time challenging it. He's trying there's... to
2: shoot holes in your theories. What he's trying to do, which you are. Well, in order to prove a
0: theory, you have to find fact to back it, and yeah. that also requires you examining contradicting facts. Exactly. So
1: it's not fact just different interpretations
0: well a line in the song is fact that is a line in the song that happened yeah. <laughs> yes it is. it is. and that's why we are examining these facts to try and either validate or invalidate
2: your theory
1: yeah but i always come up with like more support so i win <laughs> whatever let's just mm. keep going
2: it sounds like we have a terrible miscommunication right now
1: imagine that
2: <laughs> you still don't know what i never said
1: right that's right let's Keep moving on so Adam can't say it. <laughs> nah.
0: So where even were we? We're on the With second the bridge. chorus. The b-
1: so I wish oh. we
0: could go back and remember what we were fighting for. I, I find, you know, looking even closer at those lines, they're really interesting. Because have you guys ever been in one of those arguments where you get to a point where you're like, wait a second, what were we fighting about? Like, the it, the argument totally goes off on a tangent. Like mm-hmm.
1: Usually, like, serious fights are about more than just what sparked the fight. Right. They're about something else that somebody wasn't saying or something that had been, you know, on their mind for a long time that come
0: out in a fight. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then, I miss you too much to be mad anymore. Also a really cool line because it's showing one emotion triumphing over another because there's competing emotions here. There's hate and love. And saying I miss you too much to be mad anymore is like a way of saying, like, I love you too much to hate you. But it's just kind of a unique way to fit fit it in the story.
2: Mm-hmm. It's nice.
0: So I think that one's cool. Um, and I wish you were right here right now. It's all good. I wish you would. This is how it ends.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: We know that one.
1: OK. Excellent. Verse
0: three. Back to 2 a.m.
1: No, it's the it's the bridge. Oh, I
0: skipped the bridge. Yeah. I did do that. You're right. I did. So, what do you guys think of the bridge? You always knew how to push my buttons. You gave me everything and nothing. This mad, mad love makes you come running. To stand back where you stood, I wish you would. I wish you would.
1: I'm really glad that we got a chance to read these lyrics, because I had no clue what she said in one of the lines. I thought for the longest time she said, stand back wasted, but that's that's not what it says. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not the only person that, saw, that thinks that. I saw that on Twitter a lot this week. Where well, apparently will, even they, Andrea sing, Swift thinks it's waisted. Starbucks lover. So. Yeah, so right. Taylor Swift lyrics are confusing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, I, as the bridge as a whole, I see it as reminiscing on good memories. The good silly memories because have you ever seen those types of people, those couples who... It's like the teasing shows how much they actually care about each other. Mm-hmm. And that's the same thing. You always knew how to push my buttons. I don't see that as, you know, implying that he was pissing her off. Mm-hmm. I interpret that as teasing more than anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this verse as a whole, I, I just see as happy memories. Any disagreeing opinion? I love when you guys disagree with me because then we can fight. <sighs>
2: Well, I, I don't I, it could also be a little bit of you know and that that's what a good relationship is built on when the two people are able to push the other one forward in some way, shape or form, and sometimes that takes a little bit of prodding, pushing people's buttons and that so
0: okay, and then the next one you give me everything and nothing. I always find it very interesting and unique when she uses contrasting words like complete opposites, everything and nothing um to describe. Something like you give me everything and nothing. Like, what do you guys think she means by that? No,
2: everything uh, and, and nothing. nothing, everything and nothing. Yes.
1: I think it's just like that feeling where you're in a relationship with someone who may be kind of toxic for you. So you feel like your whole world revolves around them. But then at the same time, are they really adding anything substantial or are they just driving you crazy?
0: driving you crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but everything and nothing, you know, this is one of the cool things we always note about Taylor's lyrics is they're open to interpretation and meaning to the listener or reader, depending on how you're consuming her lyrics. And everything and nothing to me sort of seems like one of those situations where a couple can be just sitting on the couch, you know, staring into each other's eyes where it's like you're not really giving the other person anything tangible anything physical it's not like a gift or roses yet at the same time it's giving them everything like giving them your attention is giving them everything that's Hmm. beautiful i like that was it beautiful
1: yeah adam's getting sappy
0: getting what sappy sappy yeah i never get sappy okay i I have no emotion
1: i think you just did
0: i have no emotion i feel nothing
1: (laughs) you feel everything and nothing
0: no, just nothing in this case. Mm-hmm. Um, this mad, mad love <laughs> makes you come running. Uh, <laughs> going back to that crazy thing, it, it's you're attracted to exactly what's wrong with the relationship, and that's such an odd concept, but it's so real at the same time. Um, to stand back where you stood, I wish you would, I wish you would. I think that goes back to I wish you were here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now can I do verse three? Yes, you can. I was very excited this about is, verse three because all three verses are exciting. linked together by two AM, told from different perspectives. First one, you have what the guy's doing at two AM. Second one, you have what the girl's doing at two AM. Third one, you have what are they doing at two AM? All of a sudden they're together. They meet. They do, but I wonder if they actually physically meet face-to-face or if they meet because going off the theory where their minds are in the same place at the same time in the first two verses, is this just a, a meeting of minds, meeting of hearts? No,
1: no, I think they actually meet.
0: You think they, they actually meet? It would meet.
1: be more romantic and exciting if she came out of her house and he got out of his car and they met on the sidewalk and, and had that moment where they, they could they, finally talk. Who finally were on the had same their page. sparks fly moment in yeah. the, in the
0: street in the rain and it
1: doesn't right. have to be raining. Oh, it doesn't have they to. I, but why why can't it rain? Like, <laughs> it could rain. That would add more drama and
0: like it has to rain. They have to have that, cliche. They have to have that wet sloppy kiss in the rain. Like they've got to be
2: wet.
1: See, you're getting sloppy, slap- sloppy, sappy now.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's how it is in these movies. Right. That's it, how it is. It's so. always one of those. I have something to tell you. I have something to tell you. I need to tell you first. Okay. And then they're like, I, I love, love you. you. I love you too. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. Well, either way, it takes a lot of the concepts
0: from earlier, which is why it's really difficult. We can't really, or we shouldn't anyway, or we'll be repeating ourselves, go line through line because as it reads, it's 2 a.m. Here we are. See your face. Hear my voice in the dark. Where crooked love in a straight line down makes you want to run and hide, but it made us turn right back around so similar concept but merged now mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: now it's both of them running for it's almost like a shared goal mm-hmm. shared end goal shared finish line what do you guys yeah, think
1: yeah it's I really like the way you said it's like a shared goal because they may have their problems but if their goal is always being together then they're always going to work it out
0: here's an interesting question for you guys Um, Unless you have anything else line by line. No, I'm good. No? Okay. So here's an interesting question. We've talked in the past many, many times, in fact, about the idea of 1989 being a concept album. It's one giant story that all goes together, right? Mm -hmm. And for the most part, we've determined the overall story being of Taylor's independence and reinvention of herself. Okay. As a single woman with her lady friends. Yes. Yes. She has deluxe songs, which New Romantics, I think we all kind of agree, should have made the cut, should have been on the main album as opposed to the deluxe. But with the other is, they don't quite fit in the story of this album right? as individual songs. They don't quite make the cut as a chapter of the big story. What about this song? Because if the other one is about her reinvention and rebirth, if that's what the overall story is about, and it ends with her being clean. How does this fit in?
1: That is a amazing question because is it
0: amazing? Cause you can't answer it.
1: No, it's, it's difficult <laughs> because I think the only reason it fits in is because the way it sounds fits in with the whole 1980s vibe of the album. Um, and narratively, I think it's made up, Um, but that doesn't mean anything's wrong with it. It's just a different kind of song, and she wanted to make it sort of like a John Hughes movie, which I think it does perfectly. So I don't know if it fits into necessarily the story of 1989, but sound-wise, I think it fits in really well.
0: Well, she did say before the album came out, it is the most sonically cohesive album she's ever done. Yeah. Um, I still remember that quote because I've never heard such a phrase before. Sonically cohesive. Sonically cohesive. It's the most sonically cohesive. Add that to your
1: vocabulary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Meaning it all sounds the same. So I think you're onto something with that. Uh, I think while a lot of the songs do tie together, they don't all tie together in terms of the storyline, but the sound. Because if you look at its placement on the album as well, where does it come? Before of in the middle. In the middle. Track after seven. After shake it off. After shake it off before bad blood. So I guess after you shake something off, you wish you would. I don't know. <laughs>
2: Want to get back to? Well, that. I think it also resets the '80s vibe because we all kind of agreed that shake it off is kind of more of what's the advancement of the Red era, and maybe not the overall feeling of 1989.
0: Right. Maybe. Perhaps. Possibly.
1: Sort of fits in the middle somewhere.
0: Yeah.
2: I'm just trying good. to think if I have a response
0: good. to that or not. I don't really. Good. <laughs> I suppose you could be right. It ties back in, but then, um, am I getting that right? That bad blood is next because yes, you are. That's. I'm what's looking in the lyric at the, book. Uh, album. The lyric thing.
1: book is not out of order. Oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I oh. guess it I guess oh, it could right. be. Could be cuz bad blood to me is I was the only reason I was getting at that is that's one that doesn't necessarily fit in the uh overall story either. Yeah, it doesn't. So, maybe she's just like, I like these ones. We'll I'll just throw, throw them in the in middle. middle. Nobody'll notice. Just They'll be so in blended there. in with the other ones. No one'll notice they don't fit the story of the album.
2: <laughs> so, what else you guys have on this song? Anything? Um, I got one thing. Steve has it so what i'm doing is i'm putting together a soundtrack of sorts of these 80s movies that taylor's referred to and i'm picking songs out of there that i think kind of give a good feeling of what this song is kind of based on
1: oh that's cool
2: so i will put that spotify link and diane will put it in the show notes
1: that is so fun
0: Yep, so if you want that soundtrack, guys, taylortalk.org slash episode 185. Okay,
1: Steve, be- so if we could watch one movie from that era and we had to just pick one, which movie would it be?
2: Mm, it's a, the bad part is, to tell you the truth, I've not seen these movies myself.
1: I thought you had. You loved no, no, I've i one. I'm, I'm aware,
2: no, I'm aware of the movies. I've I'm going to throw it out there and say Breakfast Club. Have, did yeah, you see that I
0: one? That I've, I've seen that one, and that's the only one I've seen, but that's not necessarily why I'm throwing it out there. It's more because of that. That's what Taylor sort of mentioned in the whole thing when she met Molly, Molly Ringwald. Yeah, that whole...
1: I think my sister has seen it, which is strange because she's way younger than me. But
2: whatever. Uh, I will try to make up for myself on this, though, and give you one of the songs off of the soundtrack that I will include in my playlist that I think kind of is very similar to mm-hmm. I Wish You Would, and that okay. is... Uh, Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds. Yeah. I'm sure you guys have heard that song. I think
0: that was performed at the BBMAs, the Billboard Awards. Oh, really? Is is that the one? Forget About Me. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, that's
1: very classically 80s. Yes.
0: for sure so steve speaking of your nice soundtrack album that's a perfect transition into our next segment which is a very fun one that we do here on the show called if this was a movie are we gonna
1: write this oh yeah i know but steve
0: opened up the transition and then sorry and now we have to transition backwards gotta go backwards so steve if you had to rank i wish you would on a scale of one to 13 where one is atrocious and 13 is beyond belief how would you rank this song
2: you know, what? before we uh, were going to do this episode, and I did all my research on this and everything, this was not one of my favorite songs I on the album. That, it was good, yeah. but it wasn't great. But after diving deeper into the lyrics and the sound and everything, there is no way I can give it anything short of a 13. right of thirteen.
1: Yay, I converted Steve. I remember a, a long time ago, Steve, you're like, why do you like this song?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> no, and now so, he's a believer. <laughs>
0: Diane, 1 to 13.
1: I give it a 13.
0: 13! I give it a 13 also. Um, <laughs> oh, big surprise. Every Taylor song gets a 13. Everything off of 1989 especially because oh, like, I, just, I do want to reiterate that this song really represents Taylor's growth into becoming – a master lyricist like she's among the best writers there are
1: and I also I, I also I also think it's interesting that she was able to take a pre-existing track and write lyrics to fit to the track like that wasn't her sound and she made it work which is really neat
0: And not just lyrics, but phenomenal lyrics that have meaning and depth and a variety of interpretations that everybody can see in all different kinds of ways.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting.
0: Like her, her, just her use of words is unbelievable the way she does it. And it's really, really cool. So now can I transition out? Am I getting... You
1: may. Okay.
0: So Steve made us a nice soundtrack of 80 songs, which ties it perfectly to our next segment. If this was a movie, which is a cool segment, if anyone out there is a brand new listener, what we do in this segment is we take movies that you may or may not be familiar with. Hopefully you've seen these movies. And we go through Taylor's back catalog of songs and decide on a song that could potentially be the soundtrack for that movie does that make sense Mm
2: -hmm.
0: hope so who wants to go first diane and steve
2: Uh, i'll go first
0: steve all right you ready for your movie okay tarzan (laughs) tarzan of course being any of the versions work just think a guy in the jungle how about out of the woods ah clever steve (laughs) i'll make it easy
1: There you go. I guess it
0: could work because doesn't... Oh, no, no, no. He falls in love and his lover comes lives in the woods with him.
2: Yes.
1: Well, in the Disney version, he almost leaves. He almost goes back to um, England with Jane. Oh. But then he decides not to, to save Kurchick. Oh, spoiler alerts. Oh, sorry. (laughs) Oh, Steve, like you're going to go
0: watch the Disney version of Tarzan tonight. (laughs) Please.
1: I'm sure you don't remember what I said. It's okay. (laughs)
0: So, Diane, I'm rather curious to see what you come up with with The Da Vinci Code. I
1: knew you were going to give that one to me.
0: The Da Vinci Code is an interesting sort of mystery movie. How would you summarize The Da Vinci Code without giving away spoilers to people that want to see it?
1: Uh, That's difficult. So I would just say that a Harvard professor goes on a... Adventure a, to try to figure out a Da Vinci Code.
0: It's it's a quest for the <laughs> Holy Grail based on clues that Leonardo da Vinci left behind.
1: Oh, that's good. That's that's a better. There we go. That's a better summary. So,
0: what Taylor Swift song would be the theme song of the Da Vinci Code?
1: I would say I know places.
0: Just Why?
1: Because embellish. Um, when the main characters, of course, when they, um. When the main characters are trying to hide from the bad guys, I guess. They're, they know places they can hide. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I guess you guys, you guys stink at this game. Here, really I, I, got one, I got one for that. What? Have you seen The Da Vinci Code?
2: No, but does, is that the one that has Tom Hanks in it? Yeah. Yes. Okay. So Tom Hanks gave a typewriter to Nathan Chapman who produced only one song on 1989, which was This Love. So I would say This Love. Is that true? Yes.
1: Why did he give a typewriter to Nathan Chapman?
2: <laughs> because Tom Hanks has a typewriter collection. Really? Yeah. That's fascinating. Steve, This Love lyrically that. has nothing to do with the story of Da Vinci Code. But, but Co. you were just trying to connect them together. I just It's, it's you, like you, that
1: you Kevin
0: Bacon thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Everyone
1: is separated. But yeah. Okay.
0: Everyone's connected to Kevin Bacon. Um, in all fairness uh, I did I do always kind of give myself the easiest movies to do. Well that's because okay.
1: you're in charge so that's why.
0: I'm not. We are equally in charge of this segment. I just happened to pick these because you were too lazy to.
1: I picked two out of the three movies.
0: Okay well I picked my <laughs> movie and my movie is not quite a movie yet but The last movie is Paper Towns, which is going to be the movie adaptation of John Green's book Paper Towns, where a girl goes missing and a boy that has a major crush on her has to find a series of clues to go find her, which I guess is actually really similar to Da Vinci Code. (laughs) That is, isn't it? (laughs) Following clues to find an end goal. I guess all mysteries in that sense are the same. So, what I came up with it is Come Back Be Here. Because the boy wishes so bad. That she would come back and be here, and there were there were certain lyrics in there also. Oh, the other part of it, um, I guess you're in New York today, and I don't want to need you this way. There is a moment in the book where he discovers that she is somewhere in New York, which I know is still He's fairly vague. It's not giving away any spoilers. Spoiler. Cause, that's not giving away spoilers because New York is an entire state. They have no idea where. That doesn't spoil any of the mystery of it. Okay. But this would be the perfect theme song for Paper Towns because he has this longing for her to come back, be here. And I guess you're in New York today and I don't want to miss you or I don't want to need you this way.
1: I really wanted Taylor to write a song for Paper Towns, the soundtrack, but it doesn't look like it's going to Paper happen.
0: Towns isn't out yet.
2: I think the soundtrack is, though.
1: Yeah, the soundtrack is probably
2: is out already. I believe so. It doesn't include a Taylor Swift
1: song. How dare she!
0: <laughs> How
2: dare because she! Because if
1: you guys remember, a couple months ago, John Green posted something on Tumblr saying that, like, he just got off the phone with Taylor. Maybe it was Twitter, and like, she was lovely.
0: Yeah, they did have a, a phone call. Um,
1: and I was really hoping that was to talk about recording a song for Paper Towns.
0: Um, I'm not seeing a Paper Towns soundtrack on iTunes at all. There is an audiobook. There is the ebook version. Whoa, the book is only four dollars when you buy the the ebook? That's awesome.
1: Yeah. E- um ebooks are not that expensive.
0: That is cool. So anyway, I I, I think Comeback Be Here is the perfect theme song for Paper Towns. And that's that's my two cents for ya. So thanks for doing that segment with me, guys. You're Thank welcome. you. I love that. I love that segment.
1: I'm glad you like it.
0: So, what are Swifties listening to? This week's submission comes from our very own Steve. So, I'm just gonna let you take over.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, this would have been such a better one had Taylor not invited her to sing the song later after the Pittsburgh show. Makes Why? it even better. It well, it, it does make it, because... it even better. But you know, we could have been ahead of the curve because I was like, "This song is great. Everybody needs to listen to this. I want this on where Swifties listening to." Um the song is Fight Song by Rachel Platten. And um it, it's it's a it's a good uh it's a good sort of anthem. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of get yourself you know when when things are down and wrong and everything like that to kind of build yourself back up. So, you okay. know, I I can see so many cases where you can use this song and it's I mean it almost sounds like a good like workout song in a way or you know trying <laughs> to get yourself back You know, on the right track and everything else like that. It's it's great. So, so fight song by Rachel Platten,
0: and I guess Mm -hmm. just to be clear, they were jamming together backstage, right? This wasn't uh, because the guest was Little Big Town,
2: right? And uh, what what happened? uh, Taylor posted on her Instagram there. They did a a little bit of it. Um, You know, it's kind of a female empowerment kind of song in a way. So, you know, there's that. Now, Rachel actually. Before the uh show at Heinz Field yesterday, they had a little venue outside where both Kelsey Ballerini, who we had in a couple episodes ago Episode one hundred seventy eight. Do you have that uh, memorized? Yes. <laughs> okay. Um, it's it, well. Let me
0: let me be fair and clear on that real quick. I'm sorry, Steve. Go ahead. Um, the reason I know that one is because we've been asked that a lot lately. Ever since Kelsey Ballerini um, did this performance before Taylor and was backstage, and she was at the Taylor concert, and so her name's been circulating around the fan base a lot. And people are like, "Oh, Taylor Talk interviewed her." So that was uh, episode 178 or the mm-hmm. shortcut you can do TaylorTalk dot org slash Kelsey Ballerini. Yes, right.
1: and her new album is really good too. So if we want to add that to What else Swifties are listening to? Right.
2: So, Steve,
0: you were were telling us about the performance before... Okay, so
2: the the performances that occurred before the show, um, the first one that went on was Rachel Platten, and she did um, about three or four songs from her EP. Uh, Vance Joy then came out, and he did a couple acoustic songs, and then Kelsey Ballerini came on, and she performed. So all of those people, actually, after the show, kind of had a jam session along with Little Big Town, uh, so they just... Did all sorts. Everyone was doing their own songs. They did g- "Girl Crush." Um, Taylor so cool. Taylor is all about petitioning for "Yeah Boy" to be Kelsey Ballerini's next single. So, oh, okay, which which I think would be an excellent choice. So we'll see what happens with that.
1: I actually thought it was
0: it, no.
2: It's it makes sense. So right.
1: Yeah.
2: Kelsey has
0: skyrocketed the last couple months since we had yes. her on. She's really good. Um, and she is phenomenal. She's very, very good. I'm glad you got to see her um, play live, Steve.
2: Yes. I'll be so. I'll be seeing her again at uh, CMA Fest next week. So, Oh, cool. Yeah, she does have a show there. She's on one of the stages. Mm-hmm.
0: They got lots of stages They at do CMA have Fest. lots of stages. So um, if, if you are curious in rewinding the clock, though, like I said, that link is taylortalk.org slash Kelsey Ballerini. She spells Kelsey, K-E-L-S-E-A.
1: Yes, like the C.
0: And ballerini, just like ballerina with an I at the end. <laughs> That's easiest way to describe it. So taylortalk.org slash Kelsey Ballerini. Um, Steve said Swifties are listening to Fight Song by Rachel Platten, who was also there performing with Kelsey and backstage at the Taylor concert. So those are the two awesome suggestions for this week. Diane? Yes? What's coming up in Taylor's calendar?
1: Well, she's got a lot of 1989 World Tour sh- stops. Um, On June 8th, she's going to Charlotte, North Carolina. On June 9th, she's going to uh, Raleigh.
0: Raleigh? Raleigh. Raleigh? Raleigh. I'm not from the South.
1: Raleigh, North Carolina. June 12th, she's going to Philadelphia. Um, June 13th, she'll also be at Philadelphia. And then on June 19th and 20th, she takes the 1989 World Tour to Germany.
0: Germany. Cool. Taking it International. So those are the upcoming tour dates. If anybody is going to any of those, have an absolute blast! You're gonna have so much fun. Um, now our whole panel has finally had the chance to see it, and I think we all unanimously agree it's awesome. Two awesome. thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Thirteen thumbs up in Steve's case because he's growing additional thumbs for us. <laughs> so creepy. Um, and just a friendly reminder, guys: make sure when you go to visit Taylor Nation headquarters because it's really cool. You get to take your picture in front of one of those cool New York City skyline backdrops. Yes. It has the hashtag uh, for your respective show and city and the date. So here's something I challenge you all to do. Each show you go to, because many people go to multiple shows, so if you're going to multiple shows, I challenge you to visit Taylor Nation headquarters at each of those and collect your photo from each spot. Just to be clear, the photo is free, F-R-E-E, so don't worry about that, because I know most Taylor stuff is really expensive.
1: Yes, this is a free souvenir.
0: Free souvenir for you, so if you're not planning on shopping at the merch booth for $35 uh, (laughs) t-shirts, definitely stop by Taylor Nation headquarters. It's really cool. Um, you get to either email it or text it to yourself. There's also a charging station there, which I don't think people know a lot about. Oh, I didn't know that. That's Yeah, really yeah you can charge up your cell phone there. They have they've all got the different a,
2: connectors a few, and that. It's really nice.
0: Yeah, they've, got, they've definitely got some cool stuff going on there. Definitely worth visiting. They're always somewhere. Steve, what do you call that section of an arena where they are on the outside ring? Uh, Is there a name
2: for I it? I don't
1: it? think there's an actual word for it.
2: No, but it, it's good Breezeway. to make sure. Eh.
1: No, I don't what's know a breezeway? Is that in an airport?
2: Uh, probably not. But the be- oh. best way to check per your venue that you're going to is make sure you're following Taylor Nation 13. Most of the time, they end up tweeting out which section that they're set up outside of, because that that was the one question I was trying to figure out. Because especially you go to a stadium show, there's a lot of places to be set up. You know, so it was a matter of you know, there's not any signs that are saying, "Hey, Taylor Nations, this way." Even when you get in line. A lot of people would pass by me and say what are you guys in line for yeah you know, well look s-
0: all the way up there
1: <laughs> sometimes people get in long lines because they think there's a cool thing at the end of it
2: <laughs> that happens in nashville <laughs> all the time it's always that what are you guys waiting in line for
1: like oh there's a line let's get in it yeah it oh.
2: there must be something important <laughs> so the cool oh, oh,
1: happening. okay
0: guess. okay okay got it
1: oh you don't want to talk about lines anymore
0: uh, no, no, because this episode's getting a wee bit long, and there's still one more thing to remind everybody of, oh my besides God. visiting Taylor Nation headquarters. What and else? that is, if you want a t-shirt that is not $35, uh help us support the show. We've been producing this and bringing it to you guys free of charge for the last three and a half years. It would be lovely if you could go support us by getting a Taylor Talk t-shirt. You can visit taylortalk.org slash store. Remember, those are only available for the next two weeks as of right now, which today is June 7th. So, by the time episode 186 comes out, you will have missed out. So, again, taylortalk.org slash store. Please help us support it. Thank you, thank you. Love you guys. That just about finally wraps it up for episode 185 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift Podcast. This has been Adam. Diane. And Steve. Saying, have a great uh, what's the word?
2: Fortnite. Have a great Fortnite. Wait, wait. How about you say something like I wish you would have a good night or something.
0: A good fortnight, Steve, because we're the next episode is going to be in two weeks. Okay. I wish you would have a good fortnight. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. See ya.
1: This podcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift.